Well, good morning again. Good morning again. Um, good worship this morning. Glad, glad for all of that. Um, just want to let y'all know, uh, this morning we had a, a business meeting and had a business meeting and the, the church has voted to build a storage building in the back corner here. So in the next probably two months, you'll see, you'll see that occurring. So uh, just to let you know that, if you drive on the property, that's, that's what's occurring. That's going to be a major sort of change. So nonetheless, that, that is that. Um, this is the fourth message, and it's hot again. And uh, to start this message, I want to talk a little bit about fire, like different types of fire. Um, first is this one, which is a forest fire. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. Or you may have never, you know this, but you may might not have ever thought of this. Forest fire is indiscriminate. It, it will burn up anything. It, it will start. If it's dry, it's going to go after it. And anything it's in its path, it's going to take, take control of and burn. Um, recently, Dollywood was threatened with, with the, you know, forest fire when it was in that area in that area that, you know, I knew before I walked up here on, on the stage, but now Gatlinburg. Great. Yeah. By the way, did you know Dollywood has one of the top 10 roller coasters in the world? Did you know that? It blows your mind that Dollywood would be the place that would have a top 10 roller coaster. Anyway, nonetheless, it has nothing to do with this. Um, so, so the fire, you know, it will burn anything, anytime. It's almost incontrollable. You can put water on it to try to put it out, and you hope that rain will come to put it out, but, but it will just go through. It's just totally destructive. There's no way out, no way out of fire. The second one is this one, an incinerator. Most of you have a burn barrel, maybe, maybe not most of you, I don't know. Some of you have a burn barrel. That's an incinerator. Everything that you put in there is supposed to be burned. Some people put trash, and they burn their trash um, in there. There's a guy that's down uh, Farmington Road, on the other side of the road that has been burning one all week. It's right at the road, and so it, it fills the road with smoke. Have you seen it? It's on the side. It fills it like, with smoke, but I don't know why it's right there. He's burning stumps in the, in the thing. I, maybe that's where he cut down the tree. Maybe that's precisely what it is. A week doesn't go by. Do not learn something from Roger. It's just, you know, he stops by the church. I learned something from him, you know. I, by the time I'm finished with this, like um, I retire, I'll feel like I'm a farmer because of Roger. I feel like I know everything about the country, everything there is. No, yeah, he's burning a stump there. Yeah, it was very smoky. I thought about that every day. I wasn't mad at him because it's his right, his property. He can burn whatever he wants to. But I was wondering, why do you, that's ugly in front of your house. I just couldn't figure it out. This is burning a stump. But nonetheless, that's incinerator. The purpose of that is to get rid of the item. So the first two fires, one is uncontrollable. It's going to take everything out. And this one right here, you actually elect things to put into it so that you can get rid of it from time to time. I've put tax papers in a trash can before and burnt them. Um, th that went very well, except for the trash can wasn't rated for fire, so it also melted too. So we can't use every single trash can you buy at Walmart to do this sort of thing. But nonetheless, we, we've done that before. So it incinerates, gets rid of. And then there's a third type, and I'm sure there's more types of fire, and this is a refiner's fire. A refiner's fire is different. 
in the sense of it is made for heat so that you can take precious metals and either bend them, mold them, or you can take gold and, and melt it so that all the bad stuff will go to the top and, and the good stuff is at the bottom so you can kind of go across the top of the gold and get all the bad stuff out and put it to the side. And then you can take what's left and you can make beautiful jewelry, rings, or whatever you want to overlay in gold. It's a refiner's fire, but it's, it's a hot fire. It has to be hot enough to melt something. The purpose of a refiner's fire is not necessarily to destroy something. It's to get rid of everything that's bad, everything that shouldn't be in that particular piece of gold. Or it's to make the metal to where you can actually mold it and shape it and get rid of all the dross and all the stuff around it that shouldn't be there. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 17, which is the last verse in chapter 2. That's where we're going to start reading. So Malachi chapter 2. And this is what it says. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where's the God of justice? I want to pause there a moment and just say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Have you seen that happen in our culture? Where evil is called good. Where, where what you know has been wrong for centuries is now all of a sudden right to the culture. That's what it's referring to here. Evil is called good. And the second part of that is, is the Lord going to do something about that? And the answer to that question is yes, eventually he will. But the world is supposed to become worse before Jesus returns, okay? So if we have a little reprieve for things are getting better, that's good. But the worst the world becomes the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ where he's going to set it all straight. So as time goes on, more people are going to call evil good and they're going to just be totally confused about it, about all that. And then it says, or by asking, where is the God of justice? Well, that's, yeah, where's the God of justice? Well, he's on his way and he is definitely coming. So verse 1 of chapter 3 says, Behold, I send my messenger... And he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in which you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now, there's three people that are mentioned that are very important in this passage. First, you find, behold, I. I is actually Jehovah. Jehovah's is, Jehovah, Jehovah's. Jehovah is speaking here, okay? Jehovah's. Yeah, Jehovah. Jehovah is speaking. Je Good night. Uh, wow, Jehovah, singular, but also plural, theologically. Jehovah, 
um, is the one speaking, and he's saying, I, I am speaking, and I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way. Well, the second person here is this messenger. Who is this messenger? Well, we know from the New Testament that it is John the Baptist who prepared the way for, for Jesus to come. We also know from this passage of Scripture that it's not just John the Baptist. It is also another person that's come in during the tribulation to prepare the way of the Lord as well. Actually, we would even say that there's two people that prepare the way for Jesus to come, so to speak, that come and preach in front of the temple and do that sort of thing. But nonetheless, this is, this is kind of a dual prophecy here. But what we know for sure about all this is that John the Baptist came and he prepared the way for Jesus Christ to come. So who do you think the third person here in the passage is? You have Jehovah, John the Baptist, and then you have Jesus. Right, I heard a whispering over here. I don't know who that was. Was that you, Nicole? Well, you should know this. You actually prepared this sermon this morning, so you should know all about it. I'm just kidding. She did. She did. She did. Okay, so Jesus says here, Behold, I send my message, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The Lord whom you seek. They were always seeking a Messiah, and he will come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now, what we recognize here is that this Lord, this Jesus, is going to come twice. He's going to have a first coming, and he's going to have a second coming. The question is, in his first coming, does verse 2 apply? But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. So does that verse relate to Jesus Christ and his first coming? I would submit to you this morning that it does. There were people that could not stand before Jesus when he was here. The Pharisees had trouble with Jesus when he was here. They were against him. They tried to stand before him, but the only reason that they were able to put him on the cross is because he let them do that. I don't know if you're very familiar with the story of the crucifixion and everything that happened, but the guards really never touch Jesus until he lets them. In fact, at one point in that story, those guards fall back and Jesus hasn't done anything. He's just there. And he heals the guy's ear. I don't know if you know this part of the story. A guy's ear gets cut off, and he picks the ear up, and he heals the guy's ear. If I had been that guy, I think I would have read somewhere once that happened. I would not have anything to do with Jesus at all. Just kind of see how things pan out, because that's pretty powerful for somebody to do that. But Jesus wasn't placed into bonds until he did this. Nobody overtook him. Nothing at all. You could not stand before Jesus. Another portion where you couldn't stand before Jesus. Have you ever wondered how Jesus was able to cleanse the temple without anybody attacking him? Have you ever had a question? He walks into a temple area, guards are all around, and he cleanses the temple with a whip. Nobody opposes him. Nobody comes against him. Nobody. Why is that? Because when the Lord comes, nobody, no man can stand against him. They couldn't get near him. So think about this. Jesus, if you read the Gospels, not only cleansed the temple once, he did it twice. And he comes back and does it, 
And don't you think if the guy cleansed the temple the first time, you'd have extra security? That's what I would do. Wouldn't you do that? Extra security. He's in town. He might come back in here. We're doing the same thing. He whipped us for the last time. Are you fine? Let's get some extra security. Let's call in the National Guard, right? No, we wouldn't do that. That's right. We can call in the National Guard. Anyway, we wouldn't call in the National Guard. We'd call in some tougher people like the Army. No? The Marines. I'm just, I'm just giving you some... Yeah, you would call in somebody to get that... Make sure that guy doesn't do it again, right? Well, he walks into the temple. He cleanses it again. No opposition at all. Why is that? Because when the Lord comes, no man can stand against him. No man can stand against him. Nobody can touch him. And that was long before MC Hammer wrote that song. Long before it. Long before it. If you think a little bit further about Jesus and nobody standing against him, there was one point where he, he told a story and they were going, he was on the side of a mountain and they were going to grab him, right? And they were going to make him king. You remember that story? They were going to do that? Well, he disappeared and they couldn't find him. Another time they were going to kill him. They were going to stone him, but they couldn't find him. He disappeared because you can't, you could not stand before Jesus. You could not touch Jesus unless he let you touch him. Who can stand before Jesus here? Nobody. Verse 2 is very clear. It says, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord." A refiner's fire, Jesus, is like a refiner's fire. I believe, based on Scripture, that currently Jesus operates as a refiner's fire. I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures here in a few moments to show you how he does that. But here in this passage of scripture, there was a way that was prepared and Jesus came. Jesus was a refiner, uh, refiner's finer when he was here the first time. He's going to be a refiner's fire when he's here the second time. And he's currently a refiner's fire presently. He's a refiner's fire. The refiner's fire that he uses is for Christians and it's part of their hearts. It's part of who they are. There's passage of scripture that says you will be tried and tested, but come forth as gold. Why are you tried and tested? To remove some of the stuff that shouldn't be in your life. To get it to be hot enough to where you take those sins, those things very seriously, and you go across the top and you get rid of those. God sends, Jesus sends, uh, trials and tribulations into your life currently as a refiner's fire, to make you a better Christian, to make you more like him, to make you more like you need to be. And it happens 
all the time. We just don't necessarily recognize it. I'll put it to you this way. Christianity isn't something you play with. It's not a game. Next screen. It isn't a plaything. Christianity and following Jesus is not something that is just flippant, something that you decide to do one day and you decide not to do the other day. Following Jesus Christ and having him a part of your life and going to heaven isn't something you decide to do one weekend, but the next weekend you don't decide to do. Or on Monday, you don't feel like doing it, and you decide to do it the next Monday. Or you decide to do, be a Christian on Wednesday, but not on Thursday. Christianity isn't a plaything. It's not going, like going to Airbound Trampoline Park for an hour, jumping around, having a good time, and then you go home. It, it's not like going out to your favorite restaurant if you've Never been to Airbound Trampoline Park. That is exercise and um, uh, emergency room ready to happen. But nonetheless, you go to uh, your favorite restaurant and you enjoy that and you enjoy that. You can be flippant about restaurants. You can be flippant about mowing your yard. Currently, I haven't mowed my yard in two weeks. There's reasons for that. You can be flippant about that and that really doesn't matter. You can play around with flowers in your, in your garden. You can play around with a lot of different things in your life, but you can't play around with Christianity. You shouldn't play around with Christianity. Christianity is a very serious, serious thing. You have said that Jesus lives inside of you and you are following Jesus. It is nothing, not something that you play with. It's not something that you put on your resume. It's not anything like that. It is a life-changing event that puts you in a refiner's fire. The moment you, re, you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is saying this to you. I love you the way you are, but you're not going to remain the same because I now live inside of you. He loves you the way you are, but he is not willing for you to stay the way that you are. He is a refiner's fire. He is going to burn. He is going to send you through trials. He is going to try to mold you. He's going to try to make you the person that he designed you to be. Christianity isn't a plaything. It's just not something we play with. It's very serious. It's the most serious thing you do in your entire life. Or it should be the most serious thing that you do with your entire life. Next screen. We all need to be refined. Every one of us needs to be refined. Every one of us needs to be refined. We all need to be in the fire. We all need to be made uncomfortable. We all need to be convicted. A good friend of mine often says, we... Uh, my, my toes were hurting this morning when I left the service. We all need our toes stepped on from time to time. We all need to be put in uncomfortable situations so that we will make decisions that are appropriate, that transform us more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need trials and tribulations. Let me give you an example. I'm not going to get emotional about all this, but my dad went into the hospital on Wednesday, two Wednesdays ago, and that for me was a refiner fire moment. What came to the surface? How much do I really trust God? And I found I don't trust him as much as I do when it's someone else's dad. Fair enough? 
and it rises to the top, and you see that. That's not the only thing that I, I found out. I thought I was getting very patient with driving. Uh-uh. You're trying to get to the hospital, and that person has decided to go 10 miles under the speed limit. Like, there is a line of words you shouldn't say. That really pushes you really close to that line, Right? There are things you shouldn't say about that individual and their intelligence and how they can drive that they learned. There's just stuff that you shouldn't say. That rises to the top. It's in tribulation moments that that sort of stuff comes to the top. What is that? It's a refiner's fire. It is something that surfaces. When you're sitting in it, when you're sitting in a in a a service and you're listening to something, and there's something that kind of just kind of strikes your heart. Have you ever had that moment? It just strikes your heart, and you're like, oh. It is at that moment that you are in the refiner's fire, and it's up to you what you do with it. Some people, and I I would say all people, but some people don't want the pain to be about them. They want it to be about someone else. For instance, I have noticed, and I've been at this a long time, and I do this sometimes myself and catch myself doing it, okay? I hear something that's very convicting. For me, the first thing I do is like, okay, he... He totally mistranslated that passage. That is not the way you should be applying that passage of Scripture. It's a different way. And in fact, this has nothing to do with me. Have you ever done that? You go home, kind of a little bit upset. You're like, yeah, I never heard that passage of Scripture done that way. And the Bible tells us to guard against false teaching. So I'm going to take the Scriptures and try to figure out, yes, he interpreted that incorrectly. You know what's going to happen? Jesus, who is the refiner's fire, is going to put you right back in that fire time and time and time again until you solve the problem. Jesus disciplines his children. Jesus puts his children into refiner's fire so that you can get rid of all the dross, all the bad stuff that's on the top, so that you can skim it off and go on and be a better Christian. And every time that we make an excuse, every time we go and say, oh, that was really interpreted incorrectly, so it doesn't really apply to me, the pain that you had was really about Jesus talking to you and showing you something. If it's not the way that that the speaker um, interpreted Scripture, it's the speaker himself. Oh, he was just pointing that sermon right at me today. Um, I don't know if you've ever said that about me or not, but I just want to let you know I am not that smart. I'm just not. I plan my sermons a year out, and I'm really flattered that you think that I would know what you did wrong this week so that I could preach on it on Sunday last year. If, if that was me, I would go into a different business and make a lot more money. Here, let me read your hand. But then that would be sinful, right? It, it just, it's just not the way that goes. Listen, if you're sitting in a service and you get convicted, it might not be the preacher. It might be the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something. We don't like to be in the refiner's fire, and we want to make it someone else's fault if we are in the refiner's fire. We want to point to something else and make an excuse so that we can get out of the refiner's fire, but we never do ourselves any good when we do any of 
that. Any of that. Sometimes we're in the refiner's fire and Jesus puts us there and we point to our spouse. Well, it's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. If she would be better, a better wife, I'd be a better husband. If I'd be a better husband, if he'd be a better husband, I'd be a better wife. Speaking in vernacular of the women in the room, not that I have did any type of change up here while I'm preaching. So, so that's what happens. We point to the other person and we say, that's the reason. It is my kids that get me upset. No, you have an anger problem. Your kids, kids can't make, they can hurt you and you can get upset at them, but that doesn't, they're not the reason you're sinning. Come on. When you get upset at your spouse and you're doing things that are sinful and you shouldn't be doing and shouldn't be saying, it's not their fault, it's yours. You are in a refiner's fire. You're in a pressure cooker, so to speak. And, and all that stuff, that sin that's supposed to be out of there comes to the surface. And it's at that point that you have to decide whether or not you really have faith in God to draw back and get rid of it or if you're just going to take control and make it someone else's fault and go out of the fire. The reason people pop their top over and over and over again is because sometimes it's everybody else's fault that they're angry, when in fact it is definitely your fault because you're in a refiner's fire and you will not take the dross off the top of it. Are you with me? I am responsible for my sins I am responsible for them alone. It is not someone else's fault that has caused it, so what someone else has done that has called me to do this, caused me to say this, caused me to go in this direction. It is my fault. And I would have to tell you this morning that the sin that you struggle with isn't anyone else's fault but your own. The refiner's fire is the place where Jesus forces you to take responsibility for your actions. We just don't like the way it feels, right? I mean, how many of us really want to volunteer to go into the refiner's fire? Nobody. And refiner's fire comes in different forms. Sometimes it comes to that person in the hospital that you care about, and things come to the surface. Um, I'll tell you this, I also have to work on patience. It's something that comes, you know. You know that it, doctors never come to that room when you want them to. Have you ever noticed that? They're like on their own schedule, they should be on mine. Right? And patience. Patience to wait, patience to, to, to kind of sit back and let God take control of it. Patience is something. Sometimes it, there are things that happen in your life, like the person in front of you that goes a little slower, that is just for patience purposes, and stuff goes to the top. Sometimes your spouse says something to you that puts you into the refiner's fire that brings something to the top that is kind of ugly. You either respond to the ugliness, or you take it off the top, get rid of it, and become gold. Is everybody with me this morning? Another thing a refiner's fire does is it shapes you. 
there was a picture of a hammer. Is that the next picture? It might not be, but you could probably find it. The picture of a hammer where he's hammering, yeah, that was Jesus, where he hammers something into place. That's because the, the piece of metal or whatever he's working with is not in the right shape. When you became a Christian, you were not in the right shape. Right? That's why you became a Christian. You weren't molded correctly. The refiner's fire is something that Jesus is where he takes you and he molds you into shape. It's a different process. You don't get melted, but you get hammered. Have you ever felt hammered? Yeah. Maybe not in the sense of where some of you just took that. I even have to be careful with like Hebrew I'll write up here. Referring back to that, yeah. So hammered in a different way. Hammered in, boom, 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 it's a trial. Not that you decided to drink too much and now you have a headache. That is your sin and, you know, you've got to figure out how to, how to deal with that. And that's another message for another time. But hammered and made into a certain shape. You have to get hot in order to do that. You have to feel uncomfortable in order to change. Um, I, can, I can look back and see through my life where I've been in the refiner's fire and God has changed me. Now, I live with three people in my house. Whether I change or not might be up for discussion amongst those three people. Come on, being real, right? But, but I can see where, where I've changed a little bit. If you look back towards your life and you can't see a place where you have changed over the past year, you've responded incorrectly to the refiner's fire. If your heart is not more pure today than it was a year ago, you have not responded correctly to the refiner's fire. If you're still dredging up stuff that happened years ago and still talking about it and still talking about people and still doing all that kind of your heart hasn't changed. You, you have tried to stay out of the refiner's fire. It is time to allow Jesus who loves you. It's time for you to let him take you into the refiner's fire and get all that stuff out of you. Let him work. The most exciting moments in my life is when I realize what he's doing. And I see it. And I wipe it out. Now let me qualify that. I wipe it out. I wipe it out looks like this. Lord, help me wipe it out. <laughs> I, I have tried to wipe stuff out of my life before. Have you ever done this before? You really tried to take steps. You, you do whatever. You, you're trying to wipe something out and it just doesn't work. Have you ever had that happen? Like you take the steps and you do the stuff and you try to, it never works. Yeah, when you're in the middle of some heated situation and it comes to the surface, Lord, please forgive me for that and please take that out of my life. Give me the strength to be willing not to respond to the bad stuff that's on top of my gold. Here's something that is incredibly, incredibly encouraging. There isn't a person in this room that isn't a piece of gold. There isn't a person in this room that isn't a piece of fine metal. There isn't a person in this room that doesn't have value. 
the reason Jesus is a refiner's fire and he puts you in the refiner's fire is because there is something of value to you, something he wants to save, something he wants to, to bring out that is good in you and wipe out all the other bad stuff. So whereas it is scary, right, it, it is also a very hopeful thing that there's something inside of you that is worth him taking his time to stick you into that refiner's fire. Everyone is valuable. Everyone. But in that value, it does come with pain. The refiner's fire. Let me read you a couple of verses from the New Testament. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7 through seven says this, Now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which through perishable which through perishable is tested by fire, may rebound to the praise and to the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Trials are tested by fire so that you can be better. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Another one is found in Hebrews. It says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, for the Lord disciplines him who he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children. Let me translate that for you. If you have never been in the refiner's fire your entire existence, your entire Christian existence, you are not in the family of God. You're not in the family of God. You're just not. He disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The fire is to make you pure. Now, I am sure, just because there's someone in the last couple of weeks that told you something that you didn't want to hear, and it hurt. I'm sure there's people in here like that. You need to determine whether or not that was a refiner's fire or not. Your first reaction, I'm sure, was defense, right? You wouldn't attack, you feel attacked. But what if God put them in your life to put you into the refiner's fire so that you could deal with the very thing that they told you about? Wouldn't it be great if you would just self-reflect instead of attacking that person? And let God take the stuff off the top. There may have been a situation this week that, or in the last couple of weeks that you had. And some stuff came to the surface. I don't know. Someone, I don't know, did something. I don't know what they would have done. They ignored you. Let's do that one. They ignored you. You're not sure why they ignored you? Not sure why, but some tension came to the the surface in your mind. 
that's you in a refiner's fire. If you are getting upset because you think someone ignored you, that is called pride. I find that people that say, like, Bob, not this Bob. Oh, he's not here today, so I can use him. Bob, Bob ignored me, right? Bob ignored me. Are the same people that didn't talk to Bob. If you ask that person, well, did you talk to them? No, because they, they just ignored me. Well, didn't you just ignore them? Are, are you with me? You did. And what that has brought to the surface in your heart is that you're willing to ignore them, but they shouldn't ignore you, and you are upset at them and will not forgive. So you're not talking to them. That is an issue. It is you. Somebody ignores you, they ignore you. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they walked into the building and there's another reason. Maybe it's not all about you. I love the peanuts and um, there's a comic. I have this calendar someone gave me. It's really cool. But nonetheless, there was this comic a couple of days ago where Lucy and Linus are having a conversation and Linus says, do you think, they're looking in, into the outer space, do you think there is intelligent life out there somewhere? And Lucy says, no. And Linus says, why? And Lucy says, they haven't contacted me yet. Center of the universe, right? Right? You are not the center of the universe. Maybe it's something else. And when you get upset at other people for the way that they treat you, you get really upset at them, that's really showing more about you than anything else. Something has come to the top, and it's gotten hot, and it's come to the top, and it's time to pray that Jesus will take that off the top. If you don't leave with anything else to, today, leave with this. When I'm put in an uncomfortable situation and I'm feeling anxiety against someone, I need to go to my room and I need to look in the mirror and ask Jesus, what are you bringing to the top? It's got to go. What are you bringing to the top? The first person you need to analyze is your heart and yourself, not the other person. It is amazing that the peace and understanding that comes from doing that brings to your heart and your soul when you allow Jesus to do that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed,